Hello and welcome to a rather delinquent coffee sode of They Don't Teach This in Law School. I'm your host, the owner of law firm Alchemy, Charlie Mann, and uh, this is going to be the final piece of at least th this go around on building an investment grade law firm. I'm going to try and summarize and wrap up some of these materials, touch a little bit on the uh, financial side. We've done some marketing, we've done some operations, and I want to highlight someone who I had a great interaction with on LinkedIn, and that's Bradley Miller, uh, who uh, my buddy Owen McGran, he recommended to Bradley to go and listen to this series about uh, building an investment grade law firm over on LinkedIn. He made that recommendation and Bradley appreciate he, he went and actually listened to it. And he had the comment about a phrase I used, which is putting product on the shelves. And so I want to actually open this up talking a little bit about that concept of putting product on the shelves. Uh, because, you know, Bradley, someone who I'm, I'm getting to know and hi, Bradley, you're <laughs> understand everything here is positive. I was really grateful for this interaction because uh, Bradley himself, a, a law firm owner, uh, and he heard that phrase, pro putting product on the shelf and found it, uh, maybe I'm using my own language here, but found it a little off-putting and a little too cold and it made him uh, wince when I used it. And you know what? I totally understand that. And a lot of times when I am producing this show, I'm very much coming at it from, uh, let's call it a bottom of funnel approach, which is, you know, most people are going to find out about me and maybe go to the website, interact with me in other places, get on the email list, because that's one of the dominant drivers of listeners, interestingly, to this podcast is them coming in through other spaces that I am connected to. So not as many people maybe come into, especially an episode like this, cold. They've heard me on an interview episode at the very least, maybe aren't jumping in here. And so I fully understand that product on the shelf comes across as a little distant. Now, part of it was really focusing on the mind of an investor, right? And they're going to use uh, devices, structures, models that make sense and correlate to work that they do in other industries. And putting product on the shelves is a, con a universal concept even in the services space where we have, say, business units, right? We have uh, an attorney with, say, two paralegals that represents a business unit. And we look at it and say, you know, if I had this attorney with these two paralegals, that should represent another $600,000, say, in revenue for the law firm. Uh, and I'm just tossing numbers out there as an example. And so that is putting product on the shelves. Now, the other side of this is obviously we're doing good work for human beings who are the clients of the law firm. And I never dismiss that simple fact. I think the thing is, is I always start from that point and fully recognize that one of the greatest parts about working with law firm owners, I love saying this, great part about working with law firm owners is fundamentally the work that you do with your clients is important, valuable, and this is actually the thing that I find most interesting, often misunderstood by the client because of so much public perception. So when I talk about putting product on the shelves, I actually think about things like quality assurance, right? When you put product on the shelves, you need to have some level of quality control, quality uh, assurance for the end user of that product. And so I, I look at it as a positive thing. I'm trying to have replicatable business units that guarantee a high standard of quality for clients who need it. And I actually like the idea of private equity coming in and increasing access to this service, this product, this service for 
more people in a way that matches their needs the best. Notice I'm not saying for more people at a lower price or anything like that. It's what matches their needs best. It will open up every level of legal work for people, whether it's, hey, there might be more providers of, say, low-end simple wills that are cost less because systems have been put in at a really high level within that law firm in order to deliver more of that product to more people at a very high quality standard that might be inaccessible to other people, which actually then creates a higher level of awareness and usage of that particular service. So I think you end up finding more clients for all law firms because if there's, say, the starter product that is still of a higher quality, it creates opportunity in the mid-market and upper market to come in and for people who are ready for the next level of that service to find a provider that matches that next level of need for them. You know, the, uh, the we see premium brands all over the place. Uh, it's like di- buying different level of vehicles. You know, for some people, what they need is access to a really simple, no frills, inexpensive, maybe used vehicle that still serves them well because there's such a quality control process through uh, whatever uh, service, maybe it's Carvana or wherever, that they're doing their 130 point check list on the car. They're making sure it hasn't been in previous accidents, all that. So they can provide that at the lower end. Now, once those people are, you know, have experienced that vehicle and they start to look maybe at mid market or even starting to look at a new vehicle from a starter provider, like a, I don't know if we want to call a starter provider, but they're looking for their Toyota Camry, right? No, no knock on Toyota Camrys. I drove one some time ago, wonderful vehicles, but that then creates a driving force. Oh, they need a vehicle. Wouldn't it be nice if they had a vehicle that maybe was a little bit more reliable or maybe was uh, met them at where they are in their current life? And that, again, creates a market for people to move up because they don't necessarily want to purchase the same low-end vehicle again. They're ready to exchange for something higher-end, more valuable. Uh, It also creates a market because if more people experience working with an attorney because the barrier to entry comes down because there is... Uh, better uh, price. There are better price levels overall within the profession. Uh, more advertising that is uh, built on, say, uh, new standards that are brought in by private equity in terms of the ability to generate leads, generate clients, etc. So there's more exposure, more experience. That could really be a good thing for the profession overall as people interact with lawyers and realize, like this idea of, oh, I don't want to sue someone. We know that there is a large percentage of the population that will experience an accident, an injury, et cetera, that doesn't get a lawyer involved because the message didn't get to them. They had such a negative opinion of the lawyer and they think that, oh, the offer being brought to me by the insurance company seems reasonable and fair when in fact, if they had worked with a lawyer, it could expand their access to financial resources and financial recourse against what happened in that accident. And we now have private equity pouring money into connecting with those people on an even bigger level because it accelerates the pace of what a lot of law firm owners are already doing, which is fantastic. Really love seeing how many law firm owners are so engaged with the construction of their business these days. But now we're increasing awareness across the board, more people experiencing the positive side of having a lawyer 
rather than maybe the negative experience. Uh, you know, the most common one might be divorce and lawyers getting involved there. And that feels like a negative experience filing for bankruptcy. You know, that, they, that is more correlated with a negative experience, even though some people come out the other side feeling very positive about it. But overall, this should be good for the client, not even just good. This should be great for the clients and great for lawyers who will also be freed up to focus on what they do best, whether that is being the owner of the firm or being a great lawyer within the firm, because a lot of these investors are going to look at it and say, look, I don't want my lawyers doing the lower end work. I don't want them say, I don't know, taking out the trash, right? <laughs> Something that isn't necessarily uh, the highest, best use of their time. Instead, they're looking at it and saying, how can I have the lawyers do the most lawyering possible and really affect people's lives positively? Now, will there be some corporatizing of the law? Yes, there will be. There absolutely will be. Um, and every single time that there's uh, what we perceive as a large positive, there will always be some type of negative that comes along with it. Uh, that's just how the world works. But I believe that the people who maintain high ethical standards will ultimately see a level of good that is good for the profession and good for the clients. That I am, I am, I am 100% an optimist on this, for sure. Access to AI, access to private capital, et cetera. Entirely an optimist on this. So I, I think that's an important diatribe. And that's why I'm really glad that, that Bradley brought this up over on LinkedIn. So thank you uh, for that. And I'm looking forward to having Bradley on a future episode of this, this show. And we could talk even more about it there. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, some closing thoughts here on this series of creating an investment grade law firm. You know, the portion we didn't talk about as much was the financial portion. How are you using financial data and how to utilize financial data to build that investor grade practice? Yeah, I think back to a few episodes, uh, Moshe Amsel, for sure. I talked a little bit about it with Ed Alexander, uh, and we kind of skirted around a little bit with Leah Miller, um, and it's something I'd love to talk with her about in the future, is uh, maybe have her back for an episode to talk about this, which is the idea of the replacement cost. Uh, if private equity comes in and let's say they're moving you into a, uh, maybe a chief legal officer or strictly a CEO, and there's going to, I don't know how all of these deals are going to go down. There will be a variety of them. Some of them will apply very standard investor, uh, private equity models, and some of them will be balanced against, Hey, what happens when you have private capital where the business flows a lot through the owner currently? So does the owner need to be more focused on building the business or is that why they're signing the firm off to someone else who comes in as an investor to focus on the business side? So that way you as the co-owner of this invested in firm can spend more time as a lawyer because that's what you really want to do or the complete opposite direction. They come in and they're looking at replacement cost of the legal work that you do and how much are you going to make then focusing on the CEO role and then pulling an ownership stake financially every single year. So one of the things to contend with financially is thinking about if I'm bringing in an investor or an investor is, is coming into the practice, 
are they looking at replacing me in one of my roles? And the answer is predominantly yes. They're going to try and replace you in some fashion. And of course, if it's a complete buyout of your practice, well, it might be a buyout, probably structured as an earnout more than likely. Uh, go back to previous episodes for some discussion on that. And they come in with that type of uh, that type of arrangement. You have to think about what do you want? What role are you trying to occupy? And how are you pulling money from it? So if you're thinking to yourself, I want to be the CEO of my law firm that gets invested in, spending time curating and cultivating your CEO skills, which are you know, your leadership skills, getting yourself out of the day-to-day preps you for that role in the event of investment. The other hand, if you really want to bring in an investor, because that investor is going to come in and put in a C-suite into the practice, and you will be chief legal officer. It's sort of like imagine a tech company that brings in outside investment and the founder of the tech company says, I want to be in charge of product. I don't need to be in charge of the business, right? I still have my ownership stake. I have my seat on the board, et cetera. But what I want is really to be chief product officer, chief technical officer, whatever we want, whatever that title ends up being there. You may focus on being chief legal officer, and if that's the case, just be prepared for that shift and understand that you will have a seat at the table. You will be on the maybe literal or proverbial board of the company, but some business decisions will be uh, initiated and followed through by the CEO that is brought in and other C-suite executives that may come into the firm. Now, smaller firms... Uh, chances are you're not going to bring in a full C-suite. Again, we talked about plugging in systems. We talked about them plugging in outside agencies to boost up the practice, to see that profit margin increase and come back to the investing company. But this is why you need to look at your financials. Because right now, if you were to change your role to be the chief legal officer or the CEO of your firm, because they need to hire someone to replace you in the other seat, the reactionary mind says, well, that means I'm going to make less money. Not only am I giving up a margin of my practice because I've been invested in and given away equity, but now I'm giving away part of my pay because someone else is doing part of my job. The reason to be invested is you look at it and go, first off, my life will be better because I'm not trying to do everything myself. So consider your lifestyle. Right now, if you need every single penny that comes out of your law firm. That will make it extremely difficult for people to invest in your practice. It will be easier for them. If I'm thinking of myself as an investor, I want to work with a law firm owner who goes, right now, I don't need to make exactly what I'm making because this bringing you in is an investment in the future and the growth. And I, the owner, am excited to get myself out of certain roles. This improves my lifestyle and it improves my day-to-day executive work that makes me happier. And also I know that having 50% of a firm that is three, four, five times bigger than it is today is far more interesting, more profitable than maintaining the salary and 100% profit that I have right now. That's what you know. a lot of investors want to work with and something to grapple with today Again, this could be very far out in the future, but we're looking at also in the present, how can you replace yourself? Right now, would you pay for someone to come in and allow you to sit 
in one or the other roles in your firm, depending on the size, in a smaller firm, you're probably not bringing in an external CEO to take over that part from you because quite frankly, the CEO role is more valuable and it's the one I'm gonna push you toward occupying. But maybe in a really big practice, you're ready for an external CEO. You want someone else to be handling all these business decisions. You're tired of trying to figure out what's the next location to go to. What should I know about all this? And you find external help to push that forward and your chairman of the board still overseeing, you know, having kind of final say on the direction of the company and really, uh, uh, but not having to get into the weeds of big expansion decisions. You know, thinking about that replacement, can I hire a lawyer right now to replace me as a lawyer? Or does my firm rely on me as a lawyer today? Looking at your firm through this investor mentality, even though sometimes it can be cold, it can be removed, it is a powerful mental model to change the way that you do business if you're willing to embrace it. And if you accept that there is a lot of good that can come from this. Now, if firm owners are entirely resistant to this shift, private equity will find ways around it. We can look at it as, hey, let's get private equity involved with firms that produce at a high quality level and see how we can expand access to high quality work. Or we're going to end up with private equity looking for a ground level in to, you know, quote unquote, disrupt the market. And they're going to fundamentally change the economics of law firms outside of direct partnerships rather than within partnerships with law firms. And so my hope is, especially for everyone that I'm working with, should that day come that private equity is available to you? And how many times am I going to say the phrase private equity? Should that become available to you? You will be, you will create, you will have a force for good in the market. And the more forces for good that we have in the legal market, because we are thinking critically, how do we put, you know, the phrase again, how do we put great product on the shelves for people that matches their needs with the right service at the right level of economic accessibility while still turning a great profit for the owner and for any investors in this? How do we become more efficient so we also handle this faster with a greater level of quality control on the operational side? And then on the marketing side, how do we expand and connect with far more people, build gigantic lists that allow us to have uh, influence within the community and have us remain top of mind all the time. And these are things I talk about in, say, the referral playbook that I get clients working on with digital marketing, social media marketing, uh, building and managing a list of people. These are all really important. That's where we can see the intersection of the investment grade law firm uh, and actual investors being a positive force for everyone involved with knowing that yes there are going to be there are going to be some difficulties there are going to be times when we're going to tilt at windmills shake our fist at the wind uh or at the sky and say you know that that is an ill there will be those let's acknowledge that but we have to we we can't bury our heads in the sand and say that this isn't going to change everything i mean look i even think about all of us who are in this cottage industry of working on the success of law firms, coaching law firm owners the way that I do. What role does private equity see of coaches, et cetera? Don't think that the seat that I sit in 
doesn't have disruption. That's why I'm thinking ahead and going, how do I, how do I make myself part of the investor wave as opposed to resistant to it and trying to protect against it? I'd rather see this be a positive force for transformation than looking at it as, oh, don't, don't, don't come near my corner. Don't please, 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 because it will be here. And I want us to be prepared to make the most of it. Uh, so I've loved talking about this, creating an investment grade law firm. I'm, I'm going to do some more series like this going forward. And I, I'm getting back on rhythm with the weekly releases of this. This was just, uh, we were launching the Genesis program, which I'm really excited to say, you know, uh, it, it's closed now for the next two years. Um, it's a full group and really excited to work with those firm owners. We have some things coming down the pipeline soon, including a really cool training course for your team members. I'm excited to launch in uh, late March, early April. So you'll see information about that. You'll hear me talk about that. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you haven't gone to the website and uh, subscribe to the email list, go to lawfirmalchemy.com. There's a button in the upper right-hand corner. Make sure you sign up for that. So that way you can uh, get fed a steady diet of all the information uh, information, ideas, strategies, tactics like this and more to help you grow a tremendous life and law firm. And I will see you in the next episode of They Don't Teach This in Law School.